Hey everyone, welcome back to Agency Hacker. I'm Destine, your co-host of the show. So today we are here with Pete Gosling, founder of B2B marketing agency, Gosling Media. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Let's get started. What does your agency do and how did you start it? So we're primarily uh, B2B focused. We're full service agency, but very much started as a just creative services. So my my background is in-house, um, yeah. managing creative teams as part of a marketing team. And, you know, we work freelancers and agencies all the time and quite frankly was often frustrated with the just really high cost and often just not great work um mm. so i'd wanted my own business since well since like college really university um and finally took the plunge and started gossip media about four years ago with a sort of focus of bringing that internal uh team support to anyone so it's like staff extension almost where our clients typically have an in-house team and we're working with them rather than a more traditional agency where you know it's very project-based we we work with people more just like on an ongoing basis nice four years that's pretty that's fairly new that's exciting to hear yeah it's been a wild wild ride (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, pandemic in the middle is, uh, is always fun, but, um, it's, it's been amazing and I'm, I couldn't imagine going back to a, a regular office job, to be honest. Wow. That's so good to hear. What was your reason behind starting it at that four year mark? Like what moved you to make that decision? I mean, I'd been sort of, so I'd, I'd been at my last company for almost five years and I'd been talking with my boss, I had a really good relationship with my boss about it. Um, so we actually negotiated a transitional period where for three months, I went to 50% time to give me uh, basically some time to build up my client base a bit more. Because I'd been freelancing my whole career, like even at university, I was doing freelance projects, evenings and weekends. So I had some clients that were starting to get traction with. Um, but yeah, having those few months where half of my week I could dedicate to, you know, building the business was uh, incredibly helpful. So I was very grateful that they let me do that. That's great. You know, you mentioned freelance projects. Do you think that those projects that you were, you know, dabbling your toes in or maybe really full force in, has that helped you today? 100%, yes. Yeah. Um When I'm hiring full-time people, I always like hiring people that have done a lot of freelance work because they understand the process end to end rather than just like the immediate task. There's a bit more thought in client need. I feel like if someone's done that kind of work, they are thinking more about the actual end user more than maybe Mm -hmm. someone's just doing like, I'm here to design X. Um, So I, you can't do enough freelance work, in my opinion, even at college, I was doing work experience programs, any opportunity I got. Uh, like internships, um, friends of a friend needs a logo or something, right, to start with. Because as, as well, if you're trying to get a job or even starting your own thing, the most, the single most important thing you need is a good portfolio. Yeah. So when you're first starting out, 
it's hard to get paying clients if you don't have a portfolio. So anything you can do to build up your, and you get better, right? <laughs> so you want to build up your portfolio, but it also gives you real world experience. So freelancing um, is a must, to be honest. Yeah, I love that you emphasize that people who, you know, dive into freelance projects are thinking about the end user. That's great. Do you think that your clients appreciate that value, you'd say, within your agency? 100%, yes, because a lot of the feedback over the years, when you're working with people and let's say the designer laid it out exactly how the brief said, but if you knew what it was being used for, didn't make sense. Like you need to think about the context it's going to be used. Like, is it print or digital? First of all, right? Like, is it going to be printed or is it going to be viewed on a screen? Very simple things like that. And people get frustrated when they're having to go back to the designer and say, can you please change this when it's very obvious to them that that should be done. But designers, a lot of the time aren't in that mindset. They're focused purely on the layout and the aesthetics. So, I've had a lot of feedback, positive feedback over the years that I do think about stuff from the point of view of the actual person using it. Like, is it a conference or is it a sales meeting? Like, is it one person in a room or are you talking to a thousand people in like a keynote style? So, um, yeah, putting yourself in the position of the audience is, you know, it's fundamental to good work. Yeah, I agree. That's huge. You know, I hear that often also, like I'm around graphic designers and, you know, the clients do come back to them saying, I want this, my new detail change, this detail change. And like you said, the designer is focused on the format. So that's very much true. I've seen that in my life. I would say that it just has a lot to do with building a relationship and just asking more questions. Who would you say your clients are? Are they, is it inbound, outbound, referrals, ads, social media? So all of our business really has come through referrals um so very much b2b and i was at a b2b technology company called media math it was a programmatic advertising software so most of our clients are in that world so they're b2b SaaS companies mostly uh, which is a great niche because you know i like the b2b side because it's um I feel like, well, there's less competition on the agency side, I feel. There's there's more people doing consumer stuff. But I also love the B2B stuff because there's more of like a grounding in reality. Like I, I always joke when I'm hiring designers, like any idiot can make skateboarding look cool, but mm -hmm. making machine learning algorithms look cool is a real design challenge, right? So, yeah. um, <laughs> no, and but also on the business side, like the actual work that's been done has a very uh, legitimate or, or clear purpose, like, you know, driving revenue for the business or whatever it might be. So it's not about trends or what's cool. It's like, um, how does this best represent the product that we're selling and how does this solve the audience problems and thinking of things like, like that. I was never fashionable or into trends. So I like the more grounding in reality, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Was that a reason for just in the beginning of, of your journey? Did you realize that, okay, I'm passionate about just the grounded part of it, of B2B and just, you know, navigating? I mean, honestly, I mean, so the companies I worked for before MediaMath were consumer facing. 
Oh, wow. Uh, so that was really my first sort of like fully B2B role. Um, but I just, I did, I did really like it. And I think just from a business opportunity point of view, um, gave me just a lot more, um, it's nice to have a niche. Everyone talks about having a niche, right? Yeah. So B2B obviously is a massive niche, but B2B software or B2B technology companies in New York, where I'm based is a, a much better niche. Um, and the other good thing about that type of client is like SaaS platforms have to spend a lot of money on marketing because they only sort of make money when they get to a certain level of scale. So picking industries where you know they need to market is obviously a good good place to be. Yeah. For those who may not know, can you expand more on what SaaS platforms you said? Yeah, yeah. So a SaaS platform like Salesforce or HubSpot, so software mm. as a service. And it's basically software that you're accessing through your browser and paying a monthly subscription. Mm. So Canva um, yeah. is you know incredibly popular. That would be classed as a SaaS platform. I see. So has that really changed the game for your growth over the years, would you say? I mean, yeah, everything moving digital and the pandemic speeding that process along. You know, when the pandemic first hit, we had three or four projects canceled which was, you know, terrifying at the time. But then as time went on and people realized that it wasn't going to be done in a couple of months, everyone starts looking at their digital presence, right? We need a new website. They're moving mm -hmm. their dollars from in-person events to digital events. So it it swung back in our favor, you know, because we were 100% remote anyway. I've been in my basement office since day one. So I was <laughs> self-isolating before it was mandated. And um, the focus on digital over the last five, 10 years, you know, has been growing and growing, but the pandemic just really accelerated that. So now everyone's marketing plan is digital first. So yeah. if you're a digital agency, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's an amazing thing. <laughs> yeah. Did you expect that to happen before, like just during 2020, like COVID times? No. Were you like surprised, excited? <laughs> well, put it this way, March 1st, 2020 I signed a lease it for an office space and then the lockdown started March 15th so definitely was not expecting it oh wow um because I had been remote so you know all of my team are remote but I did want to one day have an office where people came in and you know it's like you have the agency experience where you're working in a cool office with your co-workers but yeah um yeah I mean in hindsight the remote work is so good and especially with what we do where you don't need to be doing it nine to five as long as the work's done I don't care where or when the team is is doing it mm. so looking back the idea of getting an office was purely just me wanting to have an office there's no real business need for it yeah yeah I yeah. see so just to transition, what do you feel like you are currently learning right now to just level up your agency? The hardest thing is scale um, mm. because so many of the clients came in through my own personal network. They often, you know, they want me to be doing the work, right? Mm. So I was, I've got a team of six and um, we've been getting a lot better at process and like they're buying the business not me if that makes sense 
Mm. And the theme is just uh, really strong. So I've been able to sort of step back from the, you know, in the trenches doing all of the work uh, the last year or two um, and focus on building the business and other things that we want to be doing. One of which is actually we're making our own software. So I was talking about SaaS. We're actually building our own SaaS platform um, to help automate some of the stuff that designers have to do every day. Like we're spending tons of time. Say you've got a, an ad campaign and you need banner ads. And there are some tools out there that do these things already, but we, we've got a very specific use case. So say you have an, an ebook download, the client has put a piece of content together and they want people to download it. So they make banner ads, social media ads. Maybe they'll do a video promo. They need a landing page. They need an email template. Yeah. page on their website so all of those things the assets they're basically the same assets in different sizes mm. and it's all pulled from the content right so you've got the ebook my guys literally will go in take a screenshot of the cover mock it up to look like it's on a real book put it on a nice background that's like your header right so basically the software we're building it's called contentcanvas.com mm. um we're actually going to be launching it later this month um so this timing's perfect but the idea is that it helps automate all of that. So like the design is done, the ebook is done, and all of these promotional assets are really just repurposing that design from the ebook in different formats and sizes. And you know, professional designers spend hours and hours, and then the client spends thousands and thousands doing this sort of manual labor. So yeah. trying to like free up resources so the creative team can do more high level creative and then you know saving the, the customer some budget as well mm, that's amazing you know technology can be tedious when when did you get to a point where you wanted to when you decided to just prepare for this launch off and on for the last like more than a year to be honest because we're, we're big on i'm very big on you know the latest tech there's lots of automation tools out there that um like Zapier is one where you can like stitch together lots of different platforms, right? Mm -hmm. So we make use of those already. And I was like, God, it'd be great if there was something that could do it like visually. So, you know, the idea behind Zapier where if there's something that triggers a workflow, then it does all these other things doing that, but visually. So I had that idea, you know, a couple of years ago and it's just over time, it's difficult because I'm running an agency at the same time. So it's almost like I'm moonlighting on my agency with this software idea. <laughs> so mm. um, the agency is not going anywhere. The software is sort of to complement the agency work. But um, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of respect for people that launch products because it, it's there's, there's so much you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, you mentioned that you're with a team of six. How has that been like for you just deciding, getting to a point where you're like, I need a team and then just navigating with the support system? It's hard, to be honest, hiring people. We, we've had to, you know, gone for, for a small company, we've, we've had three people come and go in the four years. Mm -hmm. um, hiring is just incredibly difficult. And um, there's a lot of people who say they're amazing at design, uh, it's, it's hard to sort of, I don't want to be uh, disparaging to people, but mm -hmm. anyone can create an account online, like put together a quick portfolio and call themselves a graphic designer. So yeah. like going through the thousands of um, 
you know, lower quality candidates is difficult. And project management has been a hard piece as well. So like anything to do with like scaling the business has been tough. Like finding a good project manager um, was very difficult. Mm. And you just got to put the the time in. It's very frustrating because it's like there's there's client work on the table and you don't have the resources to fulfill it. Um, so I may be hired faster than I should have. Mm. In in hindsight, maybe you should have, you know, said no to a couple of projects and built the team slower. But it's, you know, when it's your livelihood and it's like you need every dollar you can find. Yeah. Uh, it's also exciting, you know, when you first start, like hiring people. Um, <laughs> you you want to sort of do it, right? It's like, yeah, I'm building yeah. a company. It's amazing. But uh, in hindsight, I think I hired people too quickly. Mm. Um, but the team we've got now is amazing. I'm very pleased with them. And it, like I said, they're, they're very self-sufficient with most projects. So I can definitely uh, do other things like try and launch a software platform. Yeah. Yeah, that that can be hard. Has it gotten easier over time maybe? Maybe it's this definitely year? definitely gotten easier. Yeah, that's good to hear. But um, the first two years were very difficult. And I think that's telling right in the stats, you know, most companies or I think it's like 50% don't make it past two years. Mm. um don't quote me on the number but it's a very high percentage so the first two years was just so hard because you're getting the repeat business now we've got a solid bed of clients that are repeat buyers that's good it just lets you breathe a little bit and you're not constantly hunting for that next project yeah um but getting through that first phase um that's why freelancing as well is so important right you've got to have a book of business ready to go when you pull the trigger, at least, you know, 50% ready to go. Yeah. Um, because it takes time, right? You can be yeah. the most amazing person in the world, but just the, the whole sales process takes time. Mm. Would you say that just understanding sales takes time or, or what would, can you expand on that a little bit more? Um, yeah. I mean, so just the, the actual process of, so the company you're working with, probably has multiple stakeholders mm -hmm. so you might knock the socks off the presentation and someone wants to hire you they've still got to get the budget approved by their manager or maybe their manager's manager i see um it depends on the company size you're working with but sometimes it's like procurement so you have to become like a registered vendor so even if you get a yes it can take a long time before the project really starts and you start getting paid mm -hmm. um so i mean so there's that sort of very tactical side but then there's the, yeah, learning how to sell. I've never done sales. Um, so it's really expanding your network is so important because people like working with people that have been referred to them. Yes. So all my business really has been referrals, but it's not people I know. It's just I literally reached out to anyone on LinkedIn who I knew that had some level of authority at a company. Mm. I was like, hey, do you remember me? We worked together at X and I've started an agency. Let me know if you have any needs. You know, 99% are nothing, but then there'll be one person in six months' time who remembers and then they refer you. Great. And like engineers that I barely knew have referred me to, to clients, you know, at a previous company. And so you just got to put yourself out there, but it takes time. That's amazing to hear that. Just the importance of networking, right? It's so important. And 
doesn't have to be a big burden. You don't have to be going to like meet up events. I hate those things, to be honest. <laughs> um, just, you know, just be like proactive with conversations, um, like not cold email. And I don't like the cold outreach that LinkedIn has become such a hotbed for. It's really like expanding on your network. So one thing that junior people or new people will struggle with as well is not having that network. Yeah. So having a job in-house or at an agency for a few years, at the very least, you know, you're learning a lot, of course, but being able to build your network is so, so critical. Like people that have uh, been to good universities, it's all about the network, right? It doesn't matter about the diploma. It's like the yeah. connections you get from graduating Harvard makes people from Harvard successful more than the fact that they went to Harvard, if you know. Yes. Like they get the client that can get them introduced to a buyer at IBM or something, right? So yeah, cliche, no, you know, not what you know, who you know, but it's very, very true. Yeah. You just get yourself out there. Absolutely. <laughs> you can do it all virtually. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even just the process of building a resume, it's really about your experience, who you yeah. knew, you know, rather than just, okay, I, I have a degree and so and so. I, I don't look at, like, I don't even know the universities in America. So uh, I'm looking at portfolio. And if it's like someone referred them to me, you know, that means everything, right? If it's someone that you know, that you trust, and they refer someone. That's how we just got our most recent designer was um, his uncle worked at a company I used to work at. And he's a technology guy, nothing to do with design. But it was like, oh, my, my nephew's looking. And it's like, I already sort of trust this guy. I don't know anything about your nephew, but it's a very good starting point. Yeah. Right? It's still going to be things that will disqualify him if he's not good. But it turns out he's very good and we hired him. But um, you got to be talking to people. And don't be shy of emailing people. People like giving referrals as well. People genuinely feel good if they refer someone and that turns into business. So yeah. I wouldn't be shy about asking for, or don't ask for work. Like when I reached out to people on LinkedIn, I didn't say, hey, give me a job. It was more, I started an agency and I would love your feedback. Mm. And then you know, everyone's got an ego. So <laughs> it's like, oh, I really respected you. I've worked with, not, not quite so blunt terms, but the idea is massage their ego. Say, I've started a business. I want to get your feedback. End of. Don't mention, like, ask, don't ask for referrals because the referrals will come because people genuinely like helping people out. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for breaking that down. I'm certain listeners will enjoy hearing that. To kind of transition, what would you say you're currently most proud of right now in your journey? The ability for me to be working on the software. I'm very proud of the, the team, which I hate even as it's coming out of my mouth. The, the, literally everyone says like the people, building the people, but having the team in place and seeing work happening without me being directly involved, mm. like seeing a Slack channel conversation where I'm just not in the middle of it. Because right? like the first two years, it's like every single thing you're doing. And um, so having processes and systems and the pe right people in place where business is coming in and going out and 
has absolutely nothing to do with me is is brilliant. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, did you were you excited to build it? You said that you were excited to build a team in the beginning. I was too excited but, to build a team. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. But did you get to a point where you're like, okay, I can't do everything? I'm guessing, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. very early on, really yeah. early on. Um, and like when I first started, like the idea of doing invoicing and stuff, I actually loved that side of it because I've been a designer for like 15 years. The actual project work became less and less exciting. It was more about the business. So as time has gone on, um, I'm doing less and less of the design stuff, right? Yeah. But then after two years of doing invoicing and billing, I hate it. So I've now got someone who does that as well. Right? So um <laughs> I have a bit of like ADHD where if it's new and exciting, I'm all in and I'll spend, you know, 20 hours on it. Yeah. Then it's like the second I've done it a few times, I hate it. Oh, so that's not good business advice, but I think just uh, enjoying doing what you enjoy is the reason for starting your own thing really, isn't it? It's like the freedom. So if you don't enjoy something, working towards finding a freelancer or a full-time employee that can fill that gap so that you can focus on the stuff that you enjoy and are good at, then yeah, that's really what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with those points as well. Just on the flip side, would you say that, or what would you say is keeping you from keeping your agency from leveling up right now? We don't have a great, oh, well, oh, that's tough. I was just going to say we don't have a great, like, inbound lead process for new mm-hmm. business. So we don't have a salesperson. So I'm still the person bringing in the business, mm. which definitely limits massively. So that is something we've been talking about is like, how do we sort of get that process in place where we're putting ourselves in the market without me literally? you know, knocking on doors virtually. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of websites like Upwork and Fiverr and all those things, but they're so flooded with the, you know, what I was talking about before, the sort of uh, uh, wannabes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, look, I, I've used Upwork uh, yeah. to, to find people. It's great. It's just you have to wade through a lot of junk to get to the good people. Mm. Um so, you know, you can have agency profiles and things like that on these websites, but you're not going to get like the really high paying projects through those types of means. Yeah. It's all uh, going to be repeating myself, but if you're a marketing person who has a million dollars to spend on a website and branding and, you know, whatever it is their budget covers, they're going to go through people they know. They'll be contacting people they know and and uh, getting referrals. They're not going to be going on Upwork and posting that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's the, that's a challenge. The new business side is a challenge. Um, I'm very skeptical of the sort of lead generation companies that you know pay per lead. They constantly contact you. Um, I think the, the the answer is bringing on someone who I can partner with more than just completely hand off on the sort of new business outreach so it's still me attached to it but you've got someone doing a lot of the manual almost like a personal assistant i guess mm-hmm. um but ultimately yeah the business comes in without me having to sell it i mean that's the dream right you've got like a 
uh, a steady stream of projects coming in. Yeah. But that goes back to one of the things I was saying at the start, where most of our clients are repeat clients. We have retainers and like we act as like staff extensions. So, you know, B2B marketing teams have daily needs. Um, so they're great clients because it's not the most exciting projects, but they are important and uh, consistent. Yeah. Thank you for answering that. Do you think that just within your systems, is there something that is a big rock for you to move on your journey to seven figures? Or is it, would you say it's hiring as well? Um, Process-wise, like software and all that sort of stuff, we're, we're in a really good place. Um, good. It, it's really the new business. We've got like a good capacity at the moment. So I don't think hiring is... Uh, a block it's really getting it's like the shoemakers kids have always wear broken shoes or whatever they say like i want to redo my website we don't have marketing campaign live at the moment like uh we should be doing promotions and case studies like we've got thousands of examples of work that aren't in our portfolio on our website and mm. our social media feed should be full of client success stories and there's tons of stuff like that so i guess resource wise an in-house marketing person marketing me or Gosling Media rather than doing marketing for our clients. Mm. I mean, just as we're talking, this is I, I need to do this actually. So <laughs> if anyone knows someone, yeah. <laughs> I need yeah. a marketing person to promote ourselves, basically. I see. I Make see. myself a client of Gosling Media. Well, thank you for expanding on that. I do want to ask one more question before we transition to the ending questions. Just on your journey, what did it take for it to just kind of become a little bit more consistent, you know, consistent in scaling? Yeah. Um, we had a lot of full starts with people that would say, you know, I've got a little project here, but it's going to turn into something bigger, which, you know, you're always going to be skeptical of, but when you're looking for business, you do it. So I ended up like never work for free. Absolutely. But also like the idea of doing a small project and it's going to turn into something bigger from my experience has always just fizzled out into nothing. So, um, yeah, it, it's not easy. You, you've got to build the relationships and get to a point where they're sending you consistent work. And that only comes from building trust with yes. them. There's nothing you can say on your website that's going to make someone do that. So um, back to the network piece, it, it's just so critically important to to be building these relationships with people. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for answering that and expanding. You know, I really enjoyed this conversation. Do you have any advice for agency owners listening to this or your peers listening to this as well? Yeah, I mean, technology can do so much now, right? So it's like, well, I have this conversation with clients a lot, like keeping up to pace with new technology is exhausting and terrifying at times, but you just got to remember the core fundamentals of marketing and branding don't change. It's just the way it's executed or where it's executed. So, you know, the best practice for print advertising is going to be the same as it is in the metaverse. Like 
understanding your target audience and what are their problems and how can you best solve them, like those sorts of things. So a lot of agencies, I think, focus on some of the shiny objects, like what's the latest thing you can do in Google ads or like advanced LinkedIn retargeting. And I mean, do that because it, it works and it's good. But <laughs> I think people lose sight of just marketing fundamentals and just like the base principles of what it is that the client's actually paying you to do they're not paying you to run ads on social they're paying you to have people find their business and become clients so it's going back to that what is the point of what you're doing and don't focus on like i don't even have in our sales deck like we increased click-through rates by 45 percent for xyz i don't have any of that it's all about trying to understand what their problem is and then talking through our process in how to solve their problems. Wow, that's huge because that's actually common, the example you used. <laughs> yeah, oh, it, it drives me insane. Like, yeah, it's like, A, like, who can validate that? Like, you can just make it up. And B, it's like, it's like normally out of context, right? So it's yeah. like, great, I, but I, you're not telling me anything about the project itself. Like, did they also spend $10,000 on a separate campaign with a different agency? Then your work didn't necessarily result in that increase, even if that increase is accurate. People fudge numbers all the time. And it may not be, you know, it might be an honest mistake, but the whole thing around, I mean, I could talk for an hour on just marketing attribution as a whole because it's so flawed. Mm. Like looking at dashboards, click-through rates and things. And um, yeah, it's... Uh, mostly junk <laughs> it's, it's, I don't go off on one but um nothing happens in a vacuum right so if they see a search ad and click on it and get to your page and then a week later you know there's post click attribution and things like that but they never fully connect all the dots so the idea of being able to say that this ad drove this much revenue is just garbage because there's so many factors that drive a buying decision, especially on B2B where the projects are big and there's multiple stakeholders involved. Mm. So the idea of trying to attribute specific marketing channels to revenue, I think is just such a waste of time and people are spending so much time and money on trying to do that. Yeah. Really back to basics, back to fundamentals. And then the only measurement that counts is like incremental lift in revenue. Can you prove that, you know, the, the work you're doing is helping overall, but don't try and like find out which specific email. <laughs> it's like, did this email drive this much revenue? Or was it this email? Probably wasn't either of them. But, um, <laughs> I think, yeah, people get lost in the details of the technology mm. and use the technology because it's amazing, but don't, um, that's not really what you're selling to your client. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You know, I love that you emphasize just going back to the basics. Not everyone always emphasizes that. And I just really appreciate your honesty this entire episode. I think that listeners will really enjoy this. How can people... Yeah, it's fun. Thank you. Yeah. How can people get in contact with you? Um, so goslingmedia.com um, has all of my connections. And uh, basically LinkedIn is the main social profile that we use because we're B2B. So you can find me on LinkedIn, just search Gosling Media. And um, I would love to, you know, 
if people have specific questions, I've done a few webinars in the past. We've got a client called Score, who I highly recommend. Um, just very quickly do a minute on them because they're a SBA, you know, government-backed, not-for-profit, mm. and they offer free mentoring to small business owners. Mm. So I was very skeptical. I started Gosling Media and I was searching for like business advice. Contacted them. It's a hundred percent free. I was like, it can't be free. What's the catch? But <laughs> it is. It's a it's a charity basically that the SBA puts money into. And um, wow, that's they're, they're amazing. It's it's made up of retired business people who have spare time and they mentor, you know, people starting or expanding their business and. I can't tell you how helpful it was just having someone who's completely impartial. Like if you're trying to make a decision and you talk to your wife or your you know, your partner or a colleague or a client, they've all got their own pre, you know, baked ideas or like they know you and they'll maybe steer you a different way. This guy doesn't have anything to gain from giving you bad advice like, mm. or personal uh gain if that makes sense so completely impartial well-educated you know intelligent people and it's almost like a therapy session because you're like just listing off all your problems that you have with your business and they're like helping you figure it out so it's yeah score.org is uh phenomenal nice you said score yeah s-c-o-r-e they have chapters all over the country in america nice Thank you so much for just sharing that resource with listeners and with me as well. And yeah, thank you for this conversation. Have a good one. You too. Thank you so much.